Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My name's Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today is the second part of my conversation with Dana Haynes, who's also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as a senior primary therapist in the Adolescent DBT program at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in Morristown, New Jersey. Today, Dana and I discuss two more skills parents can teach their kids to help them with their relationships, as well as to help them manage their own emotions. I told you that I was bummed that I forgot to ask you the next icebreaker question. So here we go. Okay. You're going to help break a a decades-long debate between me and my wife. Are you ready? I guess so. All right. Would you rather see a ghost or be abducted by aliens for a few hours? For a few hours? Yep. And then they they give you back and you're, you're all good? Sure. I guess I'd rather see a ghost. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um I I don't know what her deal is, but for some reason she thinks that being abducted by aliens would be better. Now um, I want to bring my husband in and ask what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, I feel like cuz the ghost is just, you know, just seeing a ghost, you know. I mean, if you're just seeing one like versus you, like I mean, I get yeah. it. It's it's scary for like 2 seconds really want to go hang out in an alien spaceship like yeah i feel like i have less control in that situation so uh, yeah good yes i like the um psychological tint that, <laughs> that, that this question has taken on yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying i'm a control freak that's the that's what it boils down to that might be what's going on <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we want to talk about some of these different skills so the distress tolerance skills is what we hit on last time that is, again, when we're high up on that distress scale, we're, we'll use these to kind of help bring ourselves down a little bit. And these, from from what I understand, the skills we're going to talk about today are a little bit more complex, and they require a little bit more thought. So these skills are sort of better to use when we're maybe on the lower end of that spectrum. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So maybe you've already used stop and you've used self-soothe and you've gotten yourself from an 80 to a 50 on that thermometer, emotional thermometer. Mm-hmm. And so you might be ready to use an interpersonal skill, mm-hmm. such as like the think skill, which I'd love to, to share with you. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. What's the think skill? So the think skill is something, it's, it's specifically in the adolescent DBT manual only. It's not in the adult manual. So it's designed for adolescents. What the think skill helps you do is it helps you make peace, reduce conflict and anger. And it's another acronym. So bear with me going through it. But the T is for think. So you're just going to think about whatever is going on from the other person's perspective. So this is a really, really great thing to start instilling in your in your kids because little kids kind of only see the world from the, the me, me, me perspective. And that's normal developmentally. So but as they get older, we need to help you know, them mentalize things differently and bring in other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. So the T is for think, think about it from another person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, then the H is going to be for having empathy. So think about what the other person might be thinking or feeling. And then the I and think stands for interpretations. So this here is where you think of more than one possible interpretation 
or explanation for another person's behavior. So for example, you might be thinking, okay, you know, my friend's not answering me. They hate me. So part of that is looking at what interpretation I'm having. So I'm interpreting this behavior of not responding to me as they hate me. What are some benign reasons? So, okay, maybe they lost their phone. Maybe they got grounded and their parents took their phone away. Maybe they're just not at their phone. Maybe their phone died. So lots of different benign reasons for things that, you know, if you stick with your original interpretation, they hate me, you're going to get worked up. You're going to be increasing on that thermometer. So, you know, trying to, to find alternate explanations can be helpful. And then the end there, notice, is to just notice ways that, you know, the other person who you might be feeling anger toward or having conflict with might be showing that they do care. So, you know, oh, my friend just invited me to their birthday party this weekend. So kind of noticing things like that. Or it might be notice ways that your mom might be trying to help or, you know, uh, might be under her own stress. So that can help um, see the other perspective as well. And then finally, using kindness, being gentle. That's the K, K for kindness, when you approach the other person. But it's, it's important as a parent when helping, you know, your child to use a skill like this to not just kind of write it off as, okay, like, you know, no, your, your interpretation is wrong. And, and there are lots of innocent reasons why someone might not be responding to you. It's all, it's all good. You know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Their, their phone's probably dead because that can actually feel really invalidating. But we want, what we want to do is to use this skill, but in the context of, okay, let's use this skill so that we can calm down, think of different possibilities. We're not saying that they're not ignoring you. It is possible that they're mad, but let's just look at all the possibilities and then let's figure out how to problem solve. And so the idea is that you're not dismissing that difficult things might come up, but that we can see this from lots of different angles Mm -hmm. and that we can reduce our anger about it so that we can think clearly. Because if your friend is mad at you, maybe we want to calm down so we can approach the situation and figure out what happened. Yeah, so in this case, I would definitely reference the earlier podcasts that we did, especially the how to validate your kids even when you disagree with them and the six levels of validation. Because instead of saying, that's not what's happening, your friends are just busy or they they don't have their phone on them right now, that can feel invalidating. But like you said, approaching it from a different perspective when you're talking to your kids about this. So you you might be right. Maybe Maybe they don't want to talk to you. But what are some other things that could be going on here? Right. Okay. So you just ran through this think skill. And again, God bless DBT for all these acronyms. (laughs) I know. All right. But I do like kind of giving you my interpretation of this and then you correcting me because- That helps. Yeah. I feel like maybe I'm making some assumptions about these that that people who are listening may be making as well. So let me run through kind of how I'm interpreting this and then you correct me where I'm wrong. Okay. Perfect. All right. Cool. So- um, Again, the word is think. So obviously the T is first and that's the word think. So, and you said that's really about thinking about the other person's perspective. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So what's the other party in a certain situation? Where are they coming from? Why are they approaching it the way they're approaching it? Is that pretty much sum it up? Exactly. Okay. Um, H is have empathy. And the way that I interpreted what you were saying is like, What's the other person feeling? I don't know. That's how I'm thinking about it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's some overlap between thinking about it from the other person's perspective and, you know, having empathy and, and, you know, for what they might be thinking or feeling. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not really just about empathy for what they might be feeling, but it might be empathy for, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a situation here. Maybe the situation is, you know, your your school's not reopening, right? And you're mm-hmm. really upset because you want to be in person with your friends. So maybe having, and you're mad at the school director. So maybe having empathy is, you know, what is the person feeling or thinking? Maybe they're, they're really nervous and maybe they're thinking that people are going to get sick and do they want to protect us. So I guess it's kind of an overlap there, but having empathy for like the position that the other person is in, I guess is a little bit of an expansion of thinking about it from the other person's perspective. Imagining yourself, like if you felt like if you were in their position, like maybe, you know, feeling what that other person was mm-hmm. feeling or mm-hmm. being in that situation. So, so first you're thinking about the other person's perspective and then having empathy is, you know, kind of seeing how you might feel and, and, and imagining what that might feel like. Okay, now we're on I for interpretation. And you said it's really about thinking about what are the benign reasons why this might be happening. So let's pretend that the situation is that our child is getting upset because their friend isn't answering their phone or isn't responding back to their text. Instead of thinking, they're mad at me, they don't like me anymore. It's more like encouraging them to think about what are some benign reasons why it might be happening. Maybe they lost their phone, maybe they're busy with something right now. Maybe they're actually doing the schoolwork they're supposed to be doing. Um, right. <laughs> so something along those lines. What are the benign reasons why it might be happening? The way that I really thought about this is like not jumping to conclusions. Yeah. So is that basically right? That's that's absolutely right. Not jumping to conclusions. And, you know, this is great too to use with yourself as a parent, mm-hmm. right? Like thinking about, okay, my kid is being ungrateful right now. Like, you know, everybody has those moments with people who are who, who are close to us in, in our lives and kind of thinking about, well, what are some benign reasons that your child might be acting the way they are acting right now? Because it's easy when we're all under stress to, to, to jump to our, our own conclusions as well. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so then so that's THI. Now we're on N for notice. And you said notice ways the other person might be showing that they do care. And I guess the way that I interpreted that was really like taking stock of the good things as well as the bad things. What do you think about that? Is that right? Yeah, it helps you think in in less black and white terms, right? Because when we're really upset, especially when, when teenagers or kids are upset, they tend to only see in, you know, one shade. So to sort of notice the other shade, to notice the gray is a really, this is a really great long term and it's two parts. It's noticing the way that person might have been trying to help recently or does care. And then also noticing the stress that that person might be under. So that's kind of going back to having empathy in a way. It's all connected. Okay. And then Kay, you said was kindness, which is being gentle when you approach the other person. And I mm-hmm. think that's pretty self-explanatory. But I guess you just have to make an acronym work once you commit to it, right? So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of acronyms. <laughs> um, Okay, so kindness, being gentle when you approach the other person. All right, and my thought process here is that this is probably one of the interpersonal effectiveness skills in DBT, is that right? That is correct, yeah. Okay, because this is really something, at least in terms of the way that I'm thinking about it, this is really something you would use in in some kind of interaction that you have with another person. Exactly. Can you just give us an example of a situation where it might be good to encourage a kid to use an interpersonal effectiveness skill or the think skill that we just talked about? 
I think whenever a child is having a conflict or is really angry at, at someone, or you kind of sense that black and white thinking going on where they're getting in that, that headspace where, you know, this is all bad or this person is all bad, kind of figuring out how they can broaden their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the think skill would be a great way to help with that kind of, those kind of thought patterns and, and with conflicts. So, I mean, you know, tons of conflicts, right? Like peer conflicts, my teacher gave me detention for, for something and, you know, I didn't do. And so kind of figuring out, okay, well, how do we, how can we look at this differently and, and, and figure out what happened, reduce our anger and then problem solve. Mm-hmm. So, so anytime there's a conflict, this is a great skill. Anytime there's a lot of anger going on or, or those kind of black and white thinking patterns. So, because the interpretations, and you can probably notice too, when, when your kids are doing this or making assumptions or they're adding interpretations to things that they might not know. Like they might, ha- you know, you don't know that your friend is mad at you because they're not responding. You don't know that because you haven't talked to them about it. Mm-hmm. So they might be making interpretations or, or assumptions, jumping to conclusions that are fueling their emotions and, and heightening their emotions. So this is a good way. It's an interpersonal skill and it also does help with emotion regulation because it can reduce anger. Okay, great. I, and again, I'm going to bring it back to this question of, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but is there a good way for parents to teach this skill to their kids? That's a great question. I mean, I think a great way, again, you know, I've said, I said when we talked about some of the distress tolerance skills is, is to model it. Mm -hmm. So you're in your own situation where you're upset about, you know, an interaction at, let's say like, you're at CVS and the, the woman was, was rude to you. That's a great way to, to talk your kid through the thing skill, like, okay, well, what, what do you think the woman could have been thinking, you know, and kind of ask them kind of go through the, the steps of the thing skill with your child in sort of like low intensity emotional situations so that they can get in the practice of doing it. Not just telling them, well, maybe she was under stress, but what do you think could have been happening is a really good way to help them kind of start thinking about things in, in a more dialectical way, right? Like not everything is black and white. All right, so we'll move on to our last skill here. But before we do that, I want to hit you with the last the last hypothetical question. Okay. You just moved to Sesame Street. <laughs> Who do you want to be your neighbor and why? My favorite Sesame Street character, I guess, is, is Cookie Monster. Is this, is... I'm with you. I'm totally really? 100%. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> he's absolutely... I do love Oscar the Grouch, but, you know, he's cranky. So mm-hmm. I think... I mean, Cookie Monster. It's just, a, it's kind of an easy answer. <laughs> so you would want Cookie Monster to be your neighbor? I love Cookie Monster. Yeah. I, I also love Cookie Monster. He's definitely by far my favorite Sesame Street character. <laughs> he's, he's like the Sesame Street character that can still make me laugh even when I'm an adult. An adult you know? <laughs> he just brings joy. Hey, it's yeah. hilarious. But I think for me, Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus. And I'll tell you why. Why? For home security reasons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Nobody's gonna like try to steal an Amazon package off your porch when there's a chance that like a twenty foot woolly mammoth monstrosity could come running out after them. You know what I mean? No, that's true. That is a really good point. All right, let's talk about the last skill. Okay. And the last skill is the wave skill, or we call it ride the wave as well. And this is it's basically just a mindfulness of current emotions. Um, but what I've noticed in, in working with 
children and their and their families is that a lot of times parents, you know, with totally great intentions, try to talk their kids out of their feelings and you just can't you can't do it. It's not possible. It intensifies the emotion, which you know your other podcasts talk a lot about validation and levels of validation. Um, so I, I won't get into that, but there's definitely um, a way in which through using the wave scale or ride the wave, we can allow emotions to arise without trying to talk our kids out of them. And in doing so, we'll help them better manage their feelings and better kind of allow them to experience them and, and then pass. You observe what you're feeling, but you just kind of just notice what you're feeling and you experience it as, as a wave coming and going rather than trying to get rid of the emotion or, or pushing it away. So mm. that's like kind of the heart of it is just allowing yourself to experience the emotion um, and remembering that you are not your emotion. This is something you are experiencing, but you are not this emotion. And very importantly, not judging it. So just accepting this as part of what's happening, inviting it in, saying hello to whatever the emotion is that you're experiencing and, and practicing willingness to, to accept it. So for parents to sort of conceptualize their, their teens' emotions as, as waves can be helpful. And then to help teach their, you teach your children that your emotions are like waves. So again, I, I kind of want to give you my perspective on this and I want you to correct me. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm sure I'll make mistakes. So I just want you to tell me (laughs) what's wrong about my statement. Okay. So you're talking about like riding the wave right now. And like you said, thank God, first of all, this isn't another acronym. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) So so this one is pretty simple. Like you said, it's really allowing yourself to experience an emotion and not push it away. I guess this just brought up two kind of sayings that I always like to bring to therapy, which is, First of all, no feeling is final. Or when you start to conceptualize your emotions as like a wave that comes and goes, there's a, a certain comfort that comes along with that. If you're the kid in this situation, there's a comfort that comes along with that because you know you're not going to be stuck in this anxious feeling forever. Mm-hmm. And as a parent in this situation, there might be a certain comfort that comes along with that because you know your kid's not going to be acting in this way forever if, let's say, they're. Uh, very angry at the moment or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So this idea that no feeling is final, I think kind of pertains to this, right? So it's a wave that comes and goes and yeah, it may stick around for a while, but you know, no feeling lasts forever. Yeah. So that I guess is one kind of idea I have when I'm hearing you talk about this. And the other one is if we kind of realize that no feeling lasts forever, hopefully we don't feel as much of an urge to try to push it away. The reason why I think this is important is because when we're talking about anxiety in particular, usually what happens when we're experiencing anxiety is we have sort of a trigger that maybe produces a small amount of anxiety for us. And like we were talking about that scale before, maybe we're at a two or three on that scale in terms of our anxiety out of 10. And then we kind of start trying to push it away because obviously it's uncomfortable to feel anxiety. And then when it doesn't go away, our anxiety then increases to, Mm -hmm. you know, a five, a six, a seven, an eight. So I just noticed that in sort of the anxiety cycle, right? There's like the event that triggers it. It starts on a small scale and then we start to try to push it away. And that's when our anxiety really kind of intensifies. So if we start to think about feelings in terms of a wave and we get into the practice of not trying to push them away so much and just kind of accepting it 
that's sort of a, a really important step in the healing process or in the in the treatment process in terms of I guess in this case specifically anxiety because it kind of cuts off that cycle before it gets the the chance to really intensify. If we can kind of say like, hey, I'm feeling a little bit anxious right now. I realize that this may have been the trigger and, you know, I know that this will pass. Then, you know, you're you're two steps ahead in terms of feeling better. Yeah. And even if you don't notice the trigger, don't know what it is, just Mm -hmm. you're noticing the emotion. And you know what? I'll maybe I can look at the figure out the trigger later or um I like to say actually the the precipitant or the precipitating event because I think trigger can sometimes imply that you know there's no going back but it, it's all a wave right it's coming and going and we can figure it all out later but right now this is what I'm feeling and if I push it away it's going to get bigger I really like to give this example this is a real life example from last year I was down the shore and I actually don't know how to to swim so my husband and I were down the shore and we were standing by the water and a wave started coming. And so I got scared. I kind of had like, I don't know, maybe it used my, my feet in and I started, I turned away from the wave and I started kind of like trying to run and the wave actually knocked me down so hard. My glasses, my eyeglasses like got taken away. And then my husband who just like kind of went with the wave, like he just was floating about and just enjoyed it or, I mean, you know, not going to necessarily enjoy any kind of you know, the emotion, emotional way that you might be riding. But the idea is that he didn't fight the wave and he was fine and floating. And I tried to, I turned away from it and I tried to get away and it just knocked me out and I lost my eyeglasses. So I thought that was like such a great, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh my goodness, like I have to use this example when I'm teaching the ride the wave skill Mm -hmm. because it's just such a physical example of how when we fight, our waves of emotion, they get bigger because then you're like, why isn't this going away? Or why am I feeling like this? But rather when you sit there and you're like, all right, this is happening, it's going to dissipate more quickly. Can I just say that I'm loving the visual of a giant wave (laughs) pummeling you and you getting completely like knocked out by it. And then your husband just like having a great time right next to you (laughs) as he sees you like completely struggling. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly what what happened in this situation, but that's kind of kind of the way it sounds. He 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 got up and, and he came over. Like, there there it is. There it is. He's also like, "Why are you fighting the wave? Like, right, don't right. turn away from it. You're not supposed to do that." So, yeah. well, I'm glad you clarified. I would hate to put him on blast in a public yeah. forum. Yeah, no, he's not that careless. <laughs> Um, but I think the other piece too to ride the wave that I want to mention is it's not just about like trying to get rid of emotions and, and pushing them away, but sometimes we also emotions love themselves. So an angry feeling is going to generate an angry thought. It's going to generate an angry facial expression, which is going to generate another angry neurochemical, which is going to generate more angry you know expressions. So emotions love themselves, and so sometimes what happens too with our emotions is that we amplify it, right? So we, something happens to us and we're upset and we text five different people in our phone and we call someone and we're venting about it. We're amplifying the emotion. We're reliving it over and over again. So mm-hmm. same as you don't want to, you know, run away from the wave. You don't want to like come with a big like boat and just cause more waves. So you want to just allow it to be.
All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Next week, I'll be posting our final podcast in the current series. And once again, I'll be talking to Christy Champion about one thing we can be doing as parents to help stay on top of our own emotions right now. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.